Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. So many of you will be aware, hopefully the great majority, that Uden Construction are planning to build a development, that's a proposal, that, that would have a development out the back lawn. That development includes what initially was four units from Hastings Street is now three, and on the other plan there was, there was initially going to be eight units, four on the front and four at the back. The revised plan is for three across the front and still four at the back, but a completely separate driveway for the development, leaving the existing driveway for the church to use, give it a bit more safety for the kids at Sunday school and the likes, and also some potential for if we had a fair day and bits and pieces like that. So there'll be a total of seven units. There'll be three three three-bedroom units at the front, two two two-bedroom units, and two three-bedroom units accessed from that that driveway, and the church would have ownership of the two three-bedroom units. The rental from those two three-bedroom units would be around about 50k a year, maybe take away a little bit for expenses, but with with that and with the property we own that Uden Development's built across the road, there would be somewhere in the range of... Near net of 50. Yeah, about 50k, most probably 40k from these two and and another 10 from across the road after expenses are taken out, so that's quite a good return. Okay, that's pretty much most of it for the proposal. Okay, how has it changed from what originally was put up and why? Okay, well the board was concerned about the narrow outcome of the last meeting. The vote was in favour of the project going ahead, but not by a majority where we felt comfortable enough with progressing with it. And we want to work hard to keep us united as a church family and that we are all feeling on the same wavelength as we move forward. After the earlier meeting that we had, two church members went away and gave consideration to what we had shared and came up with the alternative approach that Alan's talked about, and this has allowed us to add a five-metre driveway for the church and there will be a fence between the church's driveway and the driveway of the units next door. So that means that we will have exclusive use of the driveway. Now somebody asked me not long ago, how big is five metres? Jan, would you stand up please? If you laid Jan out end to end three times, you're about the width of the driveway. So if you can just Extrapolate up, that's what we've got to play with, that's what we're talking about. Thank you, Jen. Adding that five metres would give us the facility to be able to use it for children's activities and for putting various things up when we have our spring show day or our no-show show day, whatever it happens to be, and for other activities that the church might want to hold out there. There is one less unit in the development and that allows us then to have the driveway by making the sections slightly smaller for the units. 
Originally, we considered purchasing an extra unit ourselves or maybe buying the unit across the road. But we have listened to what you said about debt or that some of you were concerned about debt. And so we're not going ahead with purchasing any additional properties, which means that this will just be a straight out transaction where we receive two units and we don't have to pay anything for them. But guys, what's the point of all this? Why are we wanting to do this? Righto, it's the stewardship question really. The board's been looking at it for a wee while. We've got a valuable piece of property out the back that was virtually costing us money with rates and for lawn mowing costs. And uh, we were just wondering what could be the short, what could be the medium long-term potential of that property? Currently, there's most probably only 10 or 12 cars on the average Sunday morning park there, or one or two events per annum. And we thought just we're not really getting value for it. And looking forward in the future, the church's resources are limited. Uh, if we want to do ministry, we're always watching what things are going to cost. There are restraints. Unfortunately, all ministry needs resources. We felt that the, there was a lot of potential with that property. We've inherited it from, the, obviously, the work that people have put in in past years, but what's the best thing we can do with it? And we just really, over the last three years, we've been mulling this over, and the property development thing, a good couple of years, which maybe we'll touch on later, but uh, we think from a stewardship perspective, we think it's definitely the right decision to make a move with it. I think. So, Rod, you're a money guy. Why does money matter? Terrible thing to say about me. Often I find in church context that as soon as money starts being talked about, half the people glaze over and start dreaming about lunch. But I got this diagram here that I thought might demonstrate some of it quite well. So there's the year 2000 there. That yellow flat line there is our current budget. The blue line is the amount of giving. And the red line is giving plus the rent for this place. So as you can see, giving is falling quite steeply. We're looking at maybe 130,000 this year. When I started, it was probably more like 190. So it doesn't say a lot about my um, money <laughs> skills. <laughs> that red line is higher simply because we're now getting over something like $60,000 rent for this facility. Now, that actually fits with the demographics of the church. I was looking at the, the book to see 20 years ago how many people would have been here on any given Sunday, and it was between 120 and 150 adults. And I think this morning there's probably 50 of us. Now that's a little bit light, it's usually a little bit more than that, but not a lot. And what has happened for us is our giving is a bit top-heavy, in that 20% of the giving that we receive, so that's a fifth comes from people that are over 80, another 20% from people who are retired but under 80. Now what I did here was to try to translate money into real things. So of the money we receive as a church, the first 57,000 goes into building an admin. Now a full third of that is insurance. Big costs, almost $20,000. Now, our ministry expenses, that's youth, that's pastoral, that's messy church, all that sort of stuff, 
is about another $20,000, and missions is about 10. So we're up to 90 before we've employed any staff at all. Now, how you choose to stack this, I mean, there's different ways of looking at it, but for me to make income of this place and for the place to keep going, two days' worth of Emma's time is the first person that you would employ. The place will not function without an admin support person. A couple of days of my time, another half day of hers, another day of me, and another day of Andrew's. And you can see there what that translates to in terms of dollars. So if the church's income starts dropping, we start biting into our staff time and our ministries and what we can do. That's what the money means. So if you whack 20% off that, which we may well be doing in a few years' time when our senior members are promoted to glory, and God bless them on their way, we will have a lot less to play with, other things being equal. And the people that we are connecting with in this community are not likely to come with pots of dough to give to us. And that's just the reality of things. So yeah, that's the dough. So Rod, what I hear you saying is that this opportunity of developing gives us options, it gives us the choices to carry on with what's in our DNA, the youth work, the things we've just recently started, the Messy Church, because we need people and time and finances for that. Um, but it also, I guess, gives us options for new things. So just because we rent the houses out for the moment doesn't necessarily mean that has to happen continually. Um, you know, it could become a youth flat based around our youth leader. It could become a counselling house, you know, if that sort of is an option. It could be a place for missionaries coming back on furlough. You know, we, we're, not, we're not locked in, but it just no. gives us a resource that funds... Options. And when we thought about the future-proofing of this, we were very keen to have three-bedroom units, not two-bedroom units being ours, because that gives you more options, cool. definitely. Yeah. Yep. So this has been a bit of a journey for the board, though, hasn't it? So yeah. how did the board come to this recommendation? Right, it's really been two or three years. Uh, the first proposal, we, went, we got a company that's called Home. They're in um, Birmingham Drive. Israel Cooper, actually, is one of the managers. And we asked them to give us a bit of pro proposal. They w said they were very church friendly and we felt we'd give them the opportunity to give us an idea of what could possibly be done. They come up with a plan that would be solely funded by the church for 10 social housing units and they were reasonably compact, would be one way of putting it. But a lot of their figures a lot of estimates in the figures to do with the costs and quite a few estimates to do with the incomes as well. So not a guaranteed result, always a few question marks depending on what interest rates do and what costs could possibly blow out depending on foundations and geotech and all this sort of stuff, So which, which made it quite a risky venture. And we just were un very uncomfortable with it really and, and let it go. We thought that there was a, a company called the Wayne Francis Trust that do a lot of community housing. We approached them, talked with them. Uh, they came back with a, with a proposal which was, we thought, pretty light on advantages for the church and approximately not much more than $400,000 worth of value for the church, which we felt was pretty poor. At that stage, we, we hadn't had a, 
current valuation. Martin Winder used to come here years ago. He's a, he's a valuer. He did a valuation on the property and with prices going up. At the current market value, maybe six months ago or so, it was around 800k. So we felt that getting something where it was closer to four or 500 was certainly not a goer. We approached the Udens because we've had very good experience with them across the road. Uh, they came back with a proposal, which was our initial proposal, which quite frankly I was pretty happy with. But this variation is most probably going to make more people happy, so that's a definite step in the right direction. Even with two properties, a realistic market value for those two properties that have three bedroom units, they'd be above 500, 550,000 each. So the value to the church is most probably more like 1.1 million realistically on an $800,000 bit of land. So that's a pretty reasonable outcome as far as economic outcome. I yeah. think reasonable might be an understatement, no. really, but anyway, right. Okay, so stepping back from all the detail and stuff, what's the broader context of all of this? Um, there's a Maori whakatoki, which a proverb, which I think is sort of quite applicable here. And it, in Maori, kia whakatamuri te haere whakamua, which means I walk backwards into the future with my eyes fixed on my past. And... When you think about it, it's a really great um, sort of approach that we walk backwards into the future, but we look back to the past. We're aware of what shaped us. We know the legacy that we carry, and we have a really rich legacy here at Apawa. The past is known, but the future is unknown, and of course we know that God has plans for us, and they're always for hope and future. But when we look back, then we need to rely on that memory to spur us forward. And so this place has a really, really rich past. It goes back further than my association with it. So, Alan, 50 years ago, You'd you were here. Bro. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can do remember. And I, I, I mean, I see people here, Roy and Ruth. I mean, I've got Biggles books for attendance at Sunday School, signed by Roy and Ruth, Sunday School leaders at the time before they went to the mission field. You know, things change. I, when I went through the youth group in my teenage years in the 70s, this place was humming. We had to build an overflow across the road because the A-frame wasn't big enough. Um, we had, the youth group had its own camps. You didn't have to have an Easter camp. You know, it was most probably 70, 80, 90 young people. We had rugby teams, soccer teams, you name it. It was a pretty humming youth group. It was great. Things have changed. Gordon Coombs, I met him and yacked to him after David, one of Andrew's boys, got married a couple of years ago. And I was talking to Andrew, to uh, Gordon after the wedding, and he was, we were just saying how much things have changed. And the world we, Apa was in now is so much different to the world that Gordon was the minister here. And he acknowledged that. And even his churches in Auckland, where he is, how things have changed, remarkably how society's changed. And, and we have to do things differently and we have to adapt. So, um, Do you think there's a danger sometimes that nostalgia frames our expectations, that we look to the past and we remember the good old days and we want things to be like that again? I've got an example from outside the Baptist world because, as you know, I'm quite close mm. to a senior Anglican in town. <laughs> and... There's a couple of Anglican parishes around of about 70 or 80 people that have got seven or eight separate sites. So I said to Steph, so basically every household could have its own room. Goodness. Yeah, 
they could. And they are working really hard to maintain them. And when it's suggested that maybe they like to sell them and consolidate and all the rest of it, the comment from many of the older folk is, but they might come back. Now, those people have been gone for 50 years, mostly, because mm. the Anglican decline started in the 60s. Mm. And that is stopping those parishes from realistically looking at who they are and what the future might be and making the, perhaps the tough decisions. But I, I lost a bet a little while ago. I know Baptist pastors aren't supposed to bet. It wasn't on the horses. Um, it was over a family dinner. And the bet was, are there more Catholics and Anglicans in Canterbury? And I said, of course there must be more Anglicans. This is an Anglican settlement and all the history and the cathedral and all the rest of it. No, since 2013 census, there have been more Roman Catholics. Christianity is no longer the default religion for New Zealand. And as well as that, I think there have been other stuff that's gone on that I think perhaps we haven't paid attention to. You know, if you were buying a house in the 1970s, for example, the average house was two to three times the average wage. That ratio is now up to eight and growing. And you have more households because of that have two working parents. Um, there's many more solo parent households. And when I was a sixth former, that's a, well, year 12 in um, 1980, I was the only person in my class being brought up by a solo parent. 20 years ago, I remember telling that story at youth group, and someone put up their hand and said, I am the only person in my class being brought up by my parents together. Goodness. And that was 20 years ago. Um, the average hours at work has steadily increased. You work long days, don't you, mate? Oh, I most probably work nine, nine and a half hours a day. Oh, that's pretty. No, that's not uncommon what I do. But you know, lots of people are working fifty hours a week. I, I think my son, Rod, my son-in-law, Kyle works. He's an engineer on the CPB site in Metro Sports. I would be very surprised if he does less than sixty hours every week. We've become, I think, in those fifty years, much more likely to be consumers than members. And the classic example of that is rugby. And the, they didn't keep records in the, the, back in the day, but they reckon in the early 1970s there was three or 400,000 senior registered rugby players in New Zealand. There's now probably 25. Huge difference. I don't know anyone of my generation that belongs to a Masonic Lodge. That possibly is a good thing. I know one Rotarian. So those service clubs like Rotary and Lions, they're dying on the vine. They used to be massive. Our social cohesion has declined. Our morality, much less conservative, much more Christian, and much more individualistic. It's been interesting to me listening to the people who are not keen on getting a vaccination, the sort of language they used. It's about rights, and it's about my freedom, yeah. rather than about the community's need or about responsibility. And it, it demonstrates the yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, so we've talked about socially and about the Anglicans a bit. What about the Baptists? How are they doing? Yeah, we, we, we hit the turn in 2006, so it's mm -hmm. 15 years ago, we started declining. We're now smaller and older, and that's across the board. And you can see this in things like uh, Easter camp about half a dozen years ago was approaching 5,000 young people, it's now about half that. There's only one Baptist church in Christchurch that has more than 200 adults attending it, and that's Southwest Baptist. There's only one Baptist Church in Christchurch with a full-time youth pastor, and that's also Southwest Baptist. 
That's a massive, massive shift in a very short period of time. North Avon, Baptist and Oasis Hornby have both shut in the last few years. Tamuka and Breezes Road are not far behind. We are in a, a space of very rapid change. And I've talked before, I think shortly after I came here, that I thought we probably had 10 or 12 years to reinvent ourselves as a church or we would be going the same way. Hopefully, though, Rod, there are some people who are doing well. So who there's are they? And there's a bit to learn from them. Um, ethnic churches are doing well. Church plants. Mm -hmm. That's most of the church plants now are ethnic. So the, the language of, um, by that I mean the language of worship is not English. Southwest Baptist that I've mentioned a couple of times has declined considerably, but within it, the subgroups of disabled, the disabled fellowship and the young adults are booming. Niches. Uh, Linwood Baptist would have been closed by now, but for the work that's been done there, and it's booming with marginalised people. It's great. Talk to Hugh about it. Talk to him on another day about the people they get coming along, finding the Lord from backgrounds of crime, drug addiction, social alienation. It's just fantastic. And Oxford Terrace. They've got a whole international congregation and they've got quite a big young adult scene. Just before the earthquake, I would have said they'd have been pretty gone by now. But the thing I draw from those different churches is it's not one way. Mm. They're all quite different. And it's very local what God is doing in each of them. And it sounds a wee bit like um, what we did with the Transforming a Power document was us identifying our niche yep. to help us, yep. you know, survive. Mm. So aside from that, how are we responding? Well, if we look back and also look around at the wider church and world and wider society, and what have we invested in? We've invested in youth work here. We've worked in the local schools. Uh, through the Spring Fair and the Messy Church, we're trying to bring in connection with local families. We're working on our bicultural and multicultural awareness so that we reflect more of people within the community and more perhaps of the way of life in New Zealand now that is integrating a lot more the different cultures into it. So it's important that we are aware of that. So what if we, Judy, sorry, if we fast forwarded it, forwarded, there's too many <laughs> syllables, sorry, um, to 2030. So here we are sitting here in 2030 in, in this place. What will we see, hopefully? Looking back and hopefully still continuing, we would see a biblical and prayerful heritage. I think that that has always been strong and a power in the time I've been here and before even that. Also, looking back, we would see that strong emphasis on missionaries and hopefully we will find that in 2030, because we've got the finances to be able to do it, we can invest into local mission, but also perhaps going back to supporting people in overseas mission and developing people who are interested and being called of God to step out into the missionary field. 
We also have, if we look back, a deep local roots here from the church plant in 1911 we've developed. We've got a really good facility here and I think it would be great to keep working towards having ministries here and getting community involved in things that are happening here. In some ways the situation that first group of people in 1911 and 12 were facing is somewhat similar to what we're going to be facing. True. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just struck me, thinking back to your graph, which I'm pointing up there, but it was actually up there, you know, of the, the money and where it went. If we've got facilities rental of about 50 grand and those three rental properties generating another 50, the first $100,000 on that pile there mm. takes care of itself. Yep. And we're not dependent on the congregation. And, oh... Oh my goodness, the options for this for ministry gets me quite excited. So what do we need from the congregation, right. Rod? We'll just hit pause there for a okay, minute. We've got sorry. a couple of minutes. Uh, we will have a chance to obviously discuss any, all of this next week, but if there's any questions that you're sitting there you'd love to ask, put up your hand and Chris will come trotting. There's one at the back. How long would it be before you expect to get any income off these buildings? Uden told me that uh, dealing with the council at the moment, resource consent and building consents takes nine months, believe it or not. And he'd probably look at another six months on top of that, something like that. Okay, right. Marching on. What do we need from the congregation? Yeah. I think for us as a board, we're all elected by you guys, one way or the other. We need to know that we've got your continuing confidence. And we're kind of calling on that. So if you're in a bit of doubt, we're asking you, please trust us. We've done a lot of work, a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, a lot of arguing about this. We're confident with where we are. If you're struggling with the proposal, you're thinking, hey, we might need that land in the future or want to keep it for ministry use or parking or you're just, for whatever reason, uncomfortable with developing it, I just want to share something. I had a conversation with someone from the first meeting who abstained. And I said, so why did you abstain? And they said to me, well, I won't be here to live with this outcome. I'll be gone by that stage. So I felt that the people who will be here should be the ones making the call. And I guess I was quite struck by the humility of that approach and just invite you to reflect on it if you're feeling similar. So one last question. My last question would be, and it's for you guys as well, feel free to um, wave your arm if you want you know, to contribute, but also it's a, a takeaway, a, bit of, a little bit of homework. What is your dream for this place? Why are we pushing this? My dream is to see us reaching out into the community and drawing community people in. We've got a community out here that has um, a lot of solo parents, but also a lot of really extensive needs. God calls us to love our neighbours, and these people are the neighbours to this church. And so we are called to love them and to care for them. And I just feel that 
there's so much more that we could be doing in the community and I'd really love to see us getting involved in some of that. Yeah, I think I'm just 100% what Judy said. When you think the winders or whoever kicked this place off in 1911, they felt that there was a real need for a church in this community. I, was, I said to Rod a couple of weeks back, if, if we weren't here, this would be a perfect place for a church plant. You know, the community that's around here is, is much in need. If you, if you were to look at Christchurch, if people were to come in and look at the place and say, where would we put a church, then uh, I think this community would be that place. And we are exceedingly fortunate. We're so much more fortunate than the people that kicked it off in 1911. We've got a fantastic facility here that a lot of churches would be very envious of. So a lot of potential, and I would love to see the place kick on, and lots of young people and littlies in here would be great. And there's a community around about that absolutely has those people. I guess for me, um, coming here... I've been struck by the increase in population around here, the infill housing. This project is spacious compared to most of the ones that go in over the, um, this one over the road. I think it's going to be three units on that site. The population is swelling. We know from the census and from our experience of people that they tend to be younger than us, browner than us, and less likely to be two-parent families. So there's a lot of useful things that we can do in this place, and I don't see any other church putting up their hand to do that. So we're in a strategic position. So all, all what, that what you've said is on point. I think it is going to be a challenge, and I think this project doesn't answer that. It just gives us a bit more time, some more resources to be able to do it. Thank you. I am passionate about it because I want the community to be experiencing the hope and the future that we have through God. And I see this as a way that we can, you know, it's not going to do it, and we still have to do the actual work, but this gives us, it future-proofs us a bit, cool. gives us the opportunity. Okay. So. Well, that's our pitch. Please do come next week if you possibly can. There will be an email coming out this afternoon that will tell you how to register your view if you're not able to make it. But we really would value your prayers and your presence if possible next week.